We're joined with Lisa Blower today, and I'm really excited to be sitting here speaking to you. And uh, of course, my co-host Jody. Hey, how's it going, guys? You're right. Hello. Very yeah. Yeah, nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So uh, I, I love speaking. I get all gooey when I start <laughs> speaking to like authors and things like that because I'm obsessed with the creative mind. And I was just reading uh, through your notes uh, about you and uh, your off your website, and you're like. Um, your CV makes me feel so lazy because <laughs> you are such an amazing person. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <so> <laughs> well, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Just a background on you. Oh my goodness, where do I start? Uh, yeah, pull this mic right up. It does. Okay. It, the whole frame moves. So. Okay, where, where would you like me to start? <laughs> because I've had um, quite a varied life. Where did you begin? Well, I began in Stoke-on-Trent, in Badley Green in Stoke-on-Trent, yeah. uh, where in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, so quite an industrial, post-industrial Stoke-on-Trent, if you like. Yeah. Uh, you know, we lived on a main road and I kind of grew up in a place that was full of strikes. Everybody on a strike. <laughs> Uh, everybody from the you know, the pot banks, the miners, to the grave diggers at one point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was talking about Stoke a while ago. Somebody yeah. was saying that like, Stoke was really hard hit during like um, the, the Thatcher period and whenever yeah, closed. Well, yeah. And reading your book illustrated that so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have it ingrained in you to hate Margaret Thatcher at birth yeah. uh, because um, you know. Well, I mean, she was kind of sort of just she was gunning for the unions wasn't mm. she and yeah. uh, you know somewhere like Stoke-on-Trent where you do ha you know it is famous for its industry and there's an awful lot of employment and you take all that employment away and you're left with a very empty carcass if you like it's quite sad really isn't it? <clears throat> it's yeah. really sad and, and and it's never really got back on its feet I mean it's starting to do so more now um but it's taken a while, and it's it's quite sad to see, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And did you guys experience a lot of that then? Or did you see it from afar? Or? Mm, well, yeah, you see it from afar, don't you? Because I I lived there till I was 11, yeah. uh, and then we emigrated to Shrewsbury, according yeah. to my nan, you know, <laughs> 53 <laughs> miles down the A53. <laughs> so, yeah, so I had this really odd childhood where, you know, 10 years in Stoke-on-Trent, and then we came to Shrewsbury, and it was so posh and so green. Big difference. <laughs> Yeah, I always remember in the first couple of weeks that I was here and a, and a friend at school invited me around for tea and um, they served me spaghetti bolognese and I burst into tears because I didn't know how to eat it. Oh. And, you know, it was just a, oh, sorry, just okay. a completely different, uh, just a different way of life. So why Shrewsbury? Why did they... My dad's from Shrewsbury. Oh, OK. My dad's from Shrewsbury. My mum's from Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Shrewsbury one. Yeah, they met, they met in the Hare and Ounds at Crookton. Oh, oh wow, wow. That's no cool. longer did here you, either. <laughs> did you ever used to come here when you were before you moved over here? Did yeah. you ever? Again, did you ever used to think of those pangs when you were over here? Like, I'd like to live here. Or was that too far away? No, to no. My uh, grandparents were in Wem. Yeah, and uh, we had my my dad's one of five, so family in Shrewsbury and Wem, and the blowers don't go very far. In fact, a cousin of ours has, has um, done our genealogy. And we go, she's gone right back to about 18, just before the, the, the late 17th century. And they haven't gone any further than Nobold. <laughs> and they just go, Nobold Anscroft, Nobold Anscroft. <laughs> it's quite funny, you know, you can do those like those d ancestry DNA things. Yeah, we bought yeah. my dad one for Christmas. My dad's from Tipton. Mm -hmm. And we were like, oh, it'd be really interesting, you know, to find out and everything. And he came back and he was like... 
Birmingham. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> Birmingham. And it's like, well, that was worth yeah. 50 pounds. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think we're related to anybody particularly famous or royalty like Danny Dyer. It's, uh, yeah. My dad always says that uh, we're related to the, you know, there's a, a clan of French people that turned up in Ireland one day and they stayed there, they settled there. They're called, I've forgotten the name. And he reckons that we're related to them. So I'd love to do something like that just to see. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I'd love to do it. I mean, I keep saying, oh, wouldn't it be really, really funny, you know, to sort of do it. But there's horror stories. If you look it up, (laughs) if you Google it, there's literally somebody bought like one somebody for Christmas. And then it turned out that somebody was adopted in the family. And it started all of these things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, be sure you want to know what you want to find out. An an illegal (laughs) immigrant. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So from Shrewsbury, um, you you weren't... you went to university, I guess. I did, yeah. yeah. I mean, I um, I was really lucky as well because I did a um, a work experience at Radio Shropshire when I was fifteen. Oh wow! Oh, wow. And uh, just for two weeks, but I, but I never left. So oh. I you either just made leave, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I either made Colin Young just a fantastic cup of coffee because I used to work <laughs> on his show. Um, but I just absolutely loved it because I wanted to be a journalist. That's what I wanted to do. Wow. And so they very, very kindly, Laurie Bloomfield, who was the um, MD, Eric Smith was there at the time, he was programme director, and they sent me to Radio Sheffield because I went to uni in Sheffield. So I got a kind of transfer, if you like, to uh, go and be a sort of um, programme assistant, as they were called then, and that's when I got the radio bug and, uh, yeah, wanted to be a journalist until I got some experience in the newsroom. And they gave me a story to write, and I wrote two and a half thousand words. <laughs> and they said, no. Write <laughs> your full war and I, I, peace. I really and... <laughs> don't think this is, you know, I don't really think there's a journalist in you, Lisa. There's not really that really inquisitive, factual mind. And I'd gone really into depth about this fireman's life, <laughs> you know, and how he felt. Oh, it's like the writer inside of you, like, fully coming yeah. out. Yes. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I love it. You hear all the old, sto- old school radio, you hear so many, like, um, romantic stories of people coming through because of the acts of kindness and, and just trying to develop people. It's quite good. Yeah. Um, we're doing things backwards at The Biscuit. We, we, we started the show before we had the buildings. So I'll be sat in my kitchen right now. One day, one day we'll have a this studio. Is, yeah, but this is where Pirate Radio started. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I worked for Kiss for years and, you know, and that obviously started mm. in pirate radio and there's something very cool about that and it's all coming back. Pirate radio is coming back now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, starting off, the, the podcasting thing is just blowing up right now. It's <laughs> huge. Yeah. Your, your dream's the podcast calf, isn't it? That's yeah, what, I had that's what you'd idea. like to do. Um, I would like a, a, a coffee shop called the Shrewsbury Biscuit. Yeah. Where the, the studio's at the back and uh, obviously there's a coffee shop at the front who record interviews yeah. things out and the coffee the coffee shop would um pay for the show and the show would advertise the coffee yeah, shop it's like a, a great idea. yeah that's a great idea one of these Crowd days fund. crowdfund that's yeah. what we need <laughs> <laughs> oh biased but yeah one day one day if a, book, if a book ever makes a million if i ever get a jk rowling advance <laughs> i'll uh, i'll help you on your way with oh, that we'll hold you to that we're gonna idea. got that recorded yeah <laughs> yes yeah oh that lisa <laughs> You've got to serve behind the counter. That's I the only know, thing. And you said you make a good cup of tea. Well, so, you I do, know. yes, I do, I do. But I also write, you know, working class fiction and short stories, which neither sell very well. So you might be waiting a while, but anyway. Um, have, have you met any sort of famous authors along your path? Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm always slightly starstruck and I never know what to say. And, uh, you know, you get a bit tongue-tied. I imagine, And, yeah. uh, you know, because you... 
it's you know it, working in the radio for so long I, you know you did meet quite a few pop stars and you know I, I was an event manager there so you know yeah, I did I put that. a lot yeah, of gigs on cool, and uh, you kind of learn that most sort of celebs and stuff they just don't want to be fussed they just want a cup of tea mm. and sit in the corner and just go and do their gig it's more people's attitude towards yeah, them yeah very it? much yeah, so yeah. you know so I've always been quite good about not gushing at people and just sort of making a decent cup of tea <laughs> if you like <laughs> and making them feel okay before a gig but um, with an author, and when you're in that kind of area as well, and you so admire them and, and what they write, mm. I do find myself just kind of going, how, how did you write that? What, you know, how long did that paragraph take? You know, and I, I get a bit more specific than I feel like I need to sort of retire. <laughs> what were you wearing when you wrote chapter yeah. seven? <laughs> yeah, Lisa, just put yourself to bed now. This is, uh, yeah. Do you do the old thing of like, I write as well? You know? No, <laughs> I don't. don't actually, no, no, I try not to. No, I'm not very good. I mean, I only got a Twitter account last year. And, I did uh, go on your Instagram this afternoon. I think you've got, I've like, got sixty ten followers. That my nephew. Put I'm a me new on one. Yeah, <laughs> my nephew made me do it about two weeks ago. So. Uh... Yeah, I, I'm not quite up with the social media thing at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not either. And Jodie, was one of the first things she mentioned when she came on the team was like, I want to slap you because you have social media. <laughs> I was like, I'll come and do it as long as you're <laughs> letting me sort that social media. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, I find it really... I mean, this is the thing. I worked in marketing for 15 years and, you know, I could probably market that microphone, but I cannot do it for myself. I find it really bizarre. I feel like I'm bragging. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you know what I mean? And and I just always think, I know I've got to sell my book and I know I've got to kind of tell people who I am, but I'd rather talk about you too rather than <laughs> me, you know. And it's, it's like when I asked you the first question, you were like, really? You yeah, talk about where, me? where do I start? Yeah. That's the point of your being. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It is, where does that uh, come from then? Where does that, is that something that you were raised to be like? Is that something is it modest sort of? Um, I always say that one of the things that I tend to love to write about is this what I call, used to, what I always call the chattering of matriarchs that kind of brought me you know brought me up in in yeah. Stoke you know all these women gossiping talking <laughs> telling stories but never about themselves because that would be telling you know they'll tell you about you know her at number nine and mm. uh, you've seen Doris around you know they'd be like that but they'd never tell you about themselves. And that's very much how I am. I can tell you loads of different stories and I can tell you loads of stories about other people. <laughs> I can sit and gossip and all sorts. Um, you just take but, it all in. Yeah, but to actually talk about yourself, I find really difficult, yeah. Yeah. So um, you did a PhD in, in short stories. No, not short stories. Uh, it was in creative and critical writing. It, yeah. And so I had to do um, a thesis of uh, 80,000 words and then you had to also do a novel that was or a piece of creative and I chose to do a novel that was written in blogs and it didn't really make anything <laughs> uh, it was too stylistic really I do see that now but actually I have cribbed from that novel and made three short stories so three of the stories that are in that book are really? yeah originated in the novel yeah proof that you should never throw anything yeah. away yeah, yeah yeah but the criticals in female autobiographical practices Oh. So uh, I looked at um, why and how women write their lives from the first British autobiographies back in the 13th century with Julian of Norwich. Oh. Um, then you go into Margaret Cavendish and what they call the conversion narratives. It's, it's 
women who essentially um, give themselves up to God because that was the only way they were going to get away with writing their lives. Otherwise, they were burnt at the stake for being a witch. Uh, you know, how dare they talk about themselves? <laughs> there you go. That's where I wouldn't have survived. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, me. it's a century-old tradition that, you know, we don't talk about ourselves. But and then I Jody, compared, what are you doing up? I'm yeah. texting. Yeah. It's 1300, yeah. what are you going I know, but then I compared it to um, the, the, the first bloggers, the first female bloggers that were on social media and say people like Wife in the North and Petite Anglaise and Girl with a One-Track Mind and Belle de Jour and compared what they were doing now with what they were doing then and you'll find that actually we are doing nothing different. All that's removed is religion. Wow. wow. So there you go. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just crazy. That it's just, you think of just writing. Um, obviously, there's, there's it's not just writing. It's never just writing, but the history of it is quite mm. fascinating, I find. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> And uh, so straight out the gates from university, you started straight working on novels or did you take a bit of time no, out? No, 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 no. I, um, I was a bit of a rubbish student, actually, the first time I went away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Sheffield. The That's Leadmill. why you moved to Shrewsbury. Yeah, the Leadmill was amazing. Um, oh, I did. I catapulted out of Shrewsbury 18 uh, to Sheffield. I did English studies. Um, it had a creative writing segment. I was taught by an absolutely amazing poet called Archie Markham, who's Caribbean and used to play the cricket in the background during our <laughs> lessons. And uh, he was brilliant because he really saw something in me, but I was just too arrogant, hungover. <laughs> don't know. Uh, perhaps not the time of my life, but he used to say to me, you know, Lisa, come back in 20 years' time when you're going to take this seriously. And, uh, you know, he was really brilliant. But he sent a short story off to colleagues of his at the University of Manchester who were setting up what has now become the Centre for New Writing that Martin Amos headed up and Jeanette Winterson's headed up. So we were the original guinea pigs. And I, and I got a scholarship on the basis of that story to do my master's. Wow. So I owe that man an awful lot, really. He's a, he's you a, owe him a drink, maybe. Well, he's <laughs> no longer <laughs> with us, unfortunately, Aww. as Archie. But yeah, that yeah, he really stuck his neck out for me, and and I think that's what you tend to do. I, I mean, I mean, I'm in his shoes now as a lecturer, and I see the students being exactly like I behaved, <laughs> you know, sort of 20 years ago, and I feel like saying, you know, grabbing hold of them, saying, "You've got such a wonderful opportunity," but at the same time, you know, you can't rush these things, and people have got to find their way. You've just got to kind of nudge them. You kind them. of go, "In my day, I was the same." <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, and I sometimes used to, I used to walk into lecture and I think, "Yep, hungover." <laughs> uh, yeah, has a bit late with their essay. <laughs> but I, I, does it make it harder to kind of put that sort of? lecture hat on because you yeah, think oh yeah. I know how they feel you do, but that's that's the beauty of it really because you know exactly what they're up to and you know exactly what experiences they're having mm. and so what you kind of have to do and particularly as a creative writing lecturer because you can't teach creative writing so you've got to be able to give them the skills to believe in what they're writing and to really explore what kind of writer that they want to be. Mm. So, you know, that's all what I kind of facilitate, if you like. Yeah, very much so. It's all about them finding their own creative expression, their groove, if you like, you know, what they feel most comfortable Nurturing that kind of imagination. Yeah, and I love that. And I I love sort of, you know, I set up the first um, module in in working class fictions as a creative practice because I felt like there was no, you know, there's never been a more vital time for 
young people to put their voices yeah. on paper. And if it means fictionalising it, then do so, you know, because we, we've all got to lend a voice to what's going on. And it's been cracking to see what people... Once you give people permission to vent, <laughs> you know, and say, it's absolutely fine to write a diatribe, read Irving Welsh, read Ilan Silito, you know, look at all these angry young men from the 60s, it's exactly what is happening now. And, you know, the stuff you start to get out of them is just brilliant. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> do you believe this idea that everybody's got a book in them? Do you think it's yeah. that simple? I was just going to say, because I was going to say, do you get yeah, people that you come in and you just think, oh, bless them, they've tried, but... No, <laughs> no, no, you, no, no, no. The, the fact that if people want to tell stories um, is just wonderful because, you know, the times that we live in, you know, all, all the arts are being cut in, mm. in so many different ways. And we need to try and encourage more and more people to write books or to, you know, discover poetry or to go away and write a script and also to put their, you know, put their life stories down in history because everybody is contributing to history. And a lot of people don't think that they are, but they are, even we are now, you know, you setting up a podcast in Shrewsbury and, you know, what what you're doing now, that is contributing to history. So it's all really important. You hit it here first, guys, making history at the business. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like a shame. I was just thinking, oh, Shane would have loved to have heard that because Shane's setting up a new bit called Memoirs of the Salopian, where he wants to hear all those stories from local people who we kind of advertise it, if you like, as those stories that your granddad Mm. tells you and you think, not again, we've heard this so many times, but to Mm. somebody else, that's so interesting. Mm. And at some point, you know, he won't be around to tell those stories and that bit of history has gone. And we want to record yeah. that and, and get that down That's somewhere. one of those things that's like, coming soon, coming <laughs> soon, coming yeah. We're like, come on, Shane. <laughs> yeah. Get together, Shane. You do, you do. And you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of, I always say that I mine the pits, pots and poets of my childhood, you know. Mm. And, that, you know, if you look at some of my stuff, a lot of it is really listening to all those people that I grew up with and the things they used to say, what my nan used to say, yeah. you know. And you never get another generation of storytellers like them. So I'm always really keen to kind of capture that. I keep beating myself up because I, 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 it always comes back around to me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> no. Like, but no, please, got, that I've makes me a, feel a lot better. <laughs> I've got a synopsis for a, a, a book upstairs that I wrote like uh, about two, three years ago. And I have this story in my head and I just can't be... It's not that I can't be bothered. It's a lot of work. I try. I've, I think I've written the first chapter I'm like that was that was a lot of effort, man. That took a lot of like brain power to do. And, and maybe when you're like 80, you'll yeah. be like, I finished the book. <laughs> and I was speaking to Ron Morgan about this, and he said sometimes you've just got to write through those grey areas. You've got yeah. to just get through that. Is it is it that simple? Yeah. 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 Just do it. Yeah. I I went to uh, into my little girl's school last Friday uh, to do what turned out it was supposed to be a job talk, and then it turned into an impromptu creative writing session. <laughs> Um, and uh, this will be in a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll have you writing any minute now. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was trying to sort of. They, they said to me, "Well, how do you become a writer?" And I said, "Well, do, do any of you do sport?" Yes. What do you play? I, like, I, like, I really like hockey. I really like cricket. I bet you know you practice every day. If you're a runner, you keep running. You get better yeah. and better and better at it. It's exactly the same with writing. It becomes like a vocation, and you have to treat it like a craft that you're just going to really get better and better and better. And you won't, you know, you won't kind of know where you are with it unless you experiment in different forms and try this and try that and not be afraid to put the self into the text or don't be afraid of using that snippet from 
Uncle Bill. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful quote by a, a Polish poet called Czesław Muzlos, and he says, um, when a writer is born into a family, that family is finished. <laughs> and it's so true of me. <laughs> and, I, you know, and it's so true of a lot of writers. And particularly writers who are starting out, most of their work is semi-autobiographical. Yeah. Is it quite so, therapeutic as well, I would imagine? Some of the stuff yeah. actually getting it out of your head and down on paper. It is, it is. But it's also lovely because you are bringing it back to life, you mm. know. And when I wrote Broken Crockery, I was writing an eulogy for my nan's funeral. And I was just remembering all the little things that she used to say to me as a little girl. And when my nan was in hospital, Margaret Thatcher had fallen over, you know, and broke her wrist. And so she was in hospital at the same time as my nan, but my nan was in City General and... I don't know where Margaret Thatcher was, and she kept commenting on the fact that Margaret Thatcher had have this different I read hospital the short relationship. Story yeah, and so I had in my head, oh, my mum says my nan's in hospital, and Margaret, <laughs> Thatcher, and that is literally how that story came about, and it was just writing a eulogy. And your 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 book, um, it's gone dark over Bill's mom yeah. mother's. It's a book of short stories. It's brilliant, and that story of of the nan going to the hospital and the dog getting hidden in the bin. Um, you've got so so many different writing styles, and that read to me like a a, a small girl thinking these things up really quickly, and and mm. it was amazing. And then the next story is like a, a a nice different. It's like a different rhythm to it, mm. and that that really moved me. I really like that because that mustn't be easy to do. It mustn't be. Um, I seem to have made a lot of people cry, actually. I got a message from Phil Gillum the other day that said, I've just read Barmouth in Patisserie Valerie, and it's made me cry. And that I said, Barmouth like, ruined me. <laughs> it literally <laughs> did. Exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to have to do a creative writing workshop and then creative writing therapy <laughs> yeah. uh, afterwards. Um I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know how. To be honest, I don't know how to do. How I do it. I really don't know. You have how to be in the zone and you just disappear. I do it. it. Um, Broken crockery came certainly came from a place of raw emotion, if you like. You know, because yeah. I kind of grew up with my nan, and 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 she was amazing in so many ways. You know, pain in the bum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she really did. She used to phone me up at work and and say things like, you know, I'm just phoning up to use my voice. <laughs> I've not spoken to a soul all day, oh, and I'd say, you know, well, has Maud not been round? A neighbour? Oh yeah, but she don't count. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so she was one of those people that used to say, you know, and she was ever she was ever so rude. She used to go to bingo and they used to tell each other all mucky jokes, and then she used to phone me up and ask me what the rude words meant. <laughs> Did you have to slightly yeah. change them? Oh, yes. <laughs> How are Lisa? What's it? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> and she kind of got a reputation when I was at work because people used to say, Lisa's nan's on the phone and everybody <laughs> wanted to speak to her just to hear this woman sort of saying all these rude words that she'd heard in the bingo but um <laughs> so I, I don't really know I don't know how how it, the sadness comes in but I, I know that I'm a big fan of Alan Bennett I absolutely love Alan Bennett and he makes the bleak funny mm. and I really read his work and see how he does it and how he put he, he creates characters on multi layers, if you like. Yeah. There's always this public face and this private self, and the public face is always the one that is laughing and being sarcastic, and you know, not but you know, pretending it's all washing over them. But the private self is absolutely breaking their heart, and mm. you know, so it's trying to kind of bring those two together, yeah. but without that private self being the whole story. 
<laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? And it's like I always say to my students, a good short story is not the one that you've read, but the one you're left thinking about. Yes, yes, yes. That's, so, I, I love um, stories that do that. You know, the ones where you read them and you're like, huh, like Barmouth. <laughs> Barmouth. <laughs> Barmouth ruined me. Yeah, 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 it did. It was, Why did it ruin you? What, what was... It was just it. it was just this family that had such a hard time and that's the one where they're on the car journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah and they keep yeah. going back to the same. Yeah. Oh, I just related to it so much, I think. Mm. Um Is this I, the one where you kept saying, Oh, I've got this really bad hay fever today. <laughs> <laughs> was it really not the hay fever? Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> reading that book has been quite a trial for me because I we agreed on the interview and I was like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the book. So yeah. I bought it on uh, on Amazon on, on the Kindle. I went to work I work nights, and on the quiet nights, I can probably sit and read a book. I had a quiet night. It just happened to be the one quiet night where I had severe hay fever. Oh, I could barely yeah, see out of these yeah. streaming eyes. I was just yeah. like, I will finish this. Oh, <laughs> I got 35% through the book. I, re- I was really enjoying it, though, and it wasn't Thank like you. a chore. Like, and I, I, It wasn't, no, because sometimes you pick up these things, and you're like, oh, I've got to read this for the show, but it's yeah, not. It wasn't. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, especially like... No offence to anyone we've interviewed previously. Alex. No, no, we haven't had a bad book yet. We haven't had a bad book yet. <laughs> Would you t- would we tell tell him on the show if we didn't like the book? I don't know. Would you I do probably would because I'm quite. Un- I don't think I would outright, but I would give my opinion on it because I think it's important for everyone's yeah, yeah, opinion. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them, you yeah, know, I suppose. You know, but I think mm-hmm. everyone has a different opinion. Well, as a writer, how would that? How would that? I mean, your. I would never read fun. reviews. No. 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 no, I'd never write again. <laughs> they hate me. You'd never write again. the reviews of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and I, to... yeah, you don't write for you. You know, you don't write for the reviewers. You write for you. That's yeah, why you do yeah. it. You know, because a there's no money in it. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Do you um, think you'd be doing it for the wrong reasons if you thought oh, I'm going to write this and I'm going to make some money and be a like star? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody wants to be famous. No, yeah. don't they? But do you think there's pressure on? people that are famous you know you could maybe just you know as a fluke get this amazing book that's gone amazing and then there's so much pressure for you to continue yeah. doing well it's like it's like that godforsaken second album isn't mm. it you know you, you come up with a bestseller and who knows you, you can never underestimate the great british public and yeah. and the the great british reader is an entirely different entity you know and you can't you know, sort of predict who what they're going to pick up and read. And if you think the only reason why Fifty Shades of Grey became, you know, which, oh, the dreadful book. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry if you enjoyed it. But I think I got to page 10 and I thought, if she tells me that orange juice is delicious and refreshing one more time, I will throw <laughs> it out of the window. <laughs> and she did, so I did. I just lost it. So my copy of that book is somewhere in West Kirby on, these <laughs> ga- on some garage roofs. Never You're very it. welcome to um yeah, but that only did really well because um, it was billed as a soft porn and women were downloading it on Kindles. Mm. So people didn't see that they, what they were reading, so they couldn't see the front cover. Mm. Um, but they were downloading it and that's how it got to be so big because of the downloads first and, fo- first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and because she used to write fan fiction, she was um, a fan fiction writer for Twilight. So she used to write really erotic sex scenes between Bella and Edward, Edward is it? Yes, yeah. I, yeah. And the wolf, who's the wolf guy? Jacob. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's how she got, that's how that got really big. It was kind of marketed in a very, very crafty way. Mm. And, and that's of course, cool, yeah, that's hype, cool. hype, that's what you did. And do you yeah. think, because obviously just on that, like, um, 
as an author how do you sort of compare when books are made into films because that's always like a real some people are like oh it's great you know it's bigger oh, audience yeah. and other people are like it's so different for any book to be made into or a even book. a series yeah, yeah you can't you can't show the detail is in yeah. a book but then you are reaching other audiences how, how, how do you sort of see it um I've never been lucky enough to have a story adapted and it's it's something I'd be really interested in seeing because there are certain uh, books that you read and you think this is, this has to be a film. Mm. And if you think of um, E.M. Forster's Howard's End, you know, all the, the old sort of Merchant Ivory productions, I mean, mm. he just translates into film yeah. and actually makes his work so much more accessible. And that's brilliant. And, you know, particularly for students who see a great big doorstop of a novel and think, oh, I don't read that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just watch the film. <laughs> but then if you watch something like Never Let Me Go by Katia Shiguro, the book is so much better than the film mm. because you lose all the kind of pain and the situation. And it's because you visualise so much when you're reading and as well. It's also a very matter-of-fact, nonchalant narrator. Mm. So, but, you know, all credit to Kerry Mulligan, but you can't get that across in a film. You yeah. know, you've got this person who's a clone and... I always related yeah, back to um, when I was a kid. I was I was a bit stressed. I was going through a bit of trouble, and my dad was like, "Yeah, lad, read it." It is not from Yorkshire, but he's like, "Yeah, mate, read this." And it was um, Sharp's Tiger, and we by uh, Bernard Cornwell, and it's all about Sharp. You know, yeah, everybody knows yeah. the TV series. And I read Sean B. <laughs> yeah. I read every single one of these books. There's like 22 of them in the series. It yeah. took me ages, and these these stories read so well. Like you describe battles. In the most amazing ways, you could smell the stench in the air. You mm. could hear the scream, yeah. smell the gunpowder and the yeah. grass and stuff. And then I, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to make an effort to watch the TV series with Sean Bean. Yeah. And it was it was compared to the books. It yeah. was like they made it some romantic love story, and I was kind of like, there's none of that in the book, yeah. <laughs> not really. No, so no, it's yeah. And it's you know, if you think of, you know, I don't know whether you've read D. H. Lawrence's Lady Chatterley's Love. I'm just thinking of Sean Bean who played. <laughs> <laughs> played him in a terrible adaptation. I mean, actually, that book is is brilliant on so many different levels, and actually, is not just about the, the the sort of romance. It's about so much more. But because it's adapted for TV, yeah. and it wants lots of viewers, it focuses on the the sexual relationship between yeah. you know Lady Chatterley and the Gardener. I wonder how, as an author, that would be. You know, whether you're quite protective over the book. I think you're he a probably would bit, have been actually. Yeah. Lawrence. I think he would have been. I spoke uh, to. Um, John Wagner, and it's a different kind of genre, yeah. but about uh, Judge Dredd. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. on the Slobberknocker. It'd be on. Th- on um, uh, he said the wrong show then. On the Shrewsbury <laughs> Biscuit, uh, and I said to him like that first Stallone Judge Dredd movie. How do you feel about that? You know, what, what about when they get it wrong? He goes, as long as they pay me. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> They're like, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a, yeah They yeah. bought me a house, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah. your your style, it, I guess, is is more centered around short stories. Um, yeah, and that's where my heart is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't feel like I could do that because when I write, when I write text, I'm kind of like, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And a, uh, what was supposed to be like, hi, are you coming around for tea? End up as a huge essay. Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. find that hard to stick into a certain sort of size? You're like, oh, you it's not. You sh- did with your journalism. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I start a short story. Because uh, I hear them, I hear the voices. <laughs> they always kind of turn into a different sort of show. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I can, I can hear them, or I, I'll catch a bit of conversation. 
um, like I heard these two old ladies coming out of the bingo as it was up, up Hanley. Mm. And one said to the other, God, she's been retired and she's no grandkids, the poor cow. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, what a great story. And that <laughs> became Dirty Laundry. Uh, so oh, I kind wow. of start. Yeah, she's been retired. You know, this idea that she's been retired. She's not been it's not been something of her own accord. And she's no grandkids. It's too late. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that's yeah. a generational thing. You retire, mm. you've got grandkids. And, and the fact that she really sympathised with her and I started to, you know, that is amazing. I was thinking these layers of women and, you know. Um, so I start with a piece of dialogue. I always start with dialogue. And then I build it around that. And one day I just abandon it. Uh, that story dirty laundry it gave me what i call jarhead syndrome it built it up it, it was like it got more and more tense and more and more tense and she's getting a bit more erratic and then it, and then it just just it just take indigestion tablets yeah bed. i was just like yeah. <laughs> but that's a great thing but there's nothing more to say you yeah. know and i think um i know you haven't got to the end but if you have you read abdul yet I haven't no, yet. Don't, no, don't, no, no, don't, don't worry. I'm going to. Um, Abdul um, is a story about um, an Afghan asylum seeker. I was actually commissioned to write a story about the, uh, about the refugee crisis. And I'd read a story in the paper. It was just a tiny little snippet in, in The Guardian, I think it was, about uh, men, asylum, male asylum seekers that were coming into the country in such desperate circumstances that they were masquerading as children. And because the government has a legal obligation, if you like, you know, moral obligation, obviously, to house children, and then they kind of house all these people down in rural Kent, and then social workers are allocate, have to go down and get them, and they're allocated to different boroughs around the country. And I just thought this was fascinating, because I was thinking, like, this, I don't even know this is going on. But what fascinated me more was not the math, not the kind of context of the situation, but the fact that you've got a social worker and this person and they've got to drive them somewhere. Mm. And they're in a car together for four or five hours with a culture barrier and a language barrier and this element of trust. One's got to trust the other and the other's got to trust the other. And one person's kind of, you know, you don't know whether they've been trafficked and they've been sold a life that they're not being part of. Or, oh, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And that fascinated me. And that's where that story came from. And at the end, he disappears. And the amount of people that will say to me when I read it, well, where's he gone? Well, you know, this you can't leave it like that. And I say, well, yeah, but that's the story. Because if it... And I've been asked to turn it into a novel and I don't want to. <laughs> so maybe I'm going to miss my J.K. You know, J.K. Rowling million. Because... It, that's the truth of the story, you know. It, it the, reflects it what is going on. Yeah. And I can relate to that as well. I'm, I'm such a man of the world. This is therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my, my wife's cousin, we went to, my wife is from Colombia and yeah, we've been yeah. there a couple of times and her cousin, Juan Camilo, it, it, we have so much in He loves his comic books, he loves his football and we could sit and we could talk for hours but he doesn't speak English and I don't speak Spanish so we just sit there like, kind of like... You don't speak Spanish, you no. Know, no, I should be learning but I'm like... And he's like... It, it, we get so frustrated we can't have these conversations that we want to have like and that must yeah, yeah kind yeah. of relate yeah no, Language no that's barrier, exactly no. what it is it's exactly what it is you, you're kind of looking for common ground yeah in that really short space of time and I, I guess it's, it's it, you know, it is frustrating when that common ground is there you just can't attach yourself yeah. to it you know yeah oh yeah. god um, so you won an award as well I saw you won a, the, the Guardian's National mm. Short Story 
for competition. What was that all about? That was broken crockery. Yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah. I wrote the story um, and I sent it to The Guardian just on a whim because they were looking for 2,000 word short stories from new writers. And it's what I always say to people, if you enter competitions, be prepared to win because I wasn't. (laughs) 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 You enter competitions expecting never to win. And um, it was a national platform and agents came knocking and I'd got nothing to show them. I was wow. halfway through a PhD on, as I say, autobiography. I could tell them all about Margaret Cavendish, <laughs> <laughs> Julian of Norwich and, you know, Margaret Oliphant. But I was like, I've got nothing. You know, the, the, the larder is bare. And so I missed a lot of opportunities, mm. a lot of opportunities. So that's why I always say, if you're going to enter big national competitions, be prepared to win because... You know, there is, I I probably could have had a better start in my career, I think. I had someone message me um, a while ago and was like, uh, you should should enter like uh, your podcast into these uh, these, national podcasts. And and I was like, no, I'm okay. (laughs) I'm all right. Thanks. Like, you know, because you have to pay like a fee and then like, and then I'll be like, well, we're not going to win anyway. What's the point? Mm. So, but we we could do one day, I guess people like what we're doing. We're getting so many nice remarks about our new format for the show, by the way. Oh, you're pointing at me then. I thought you were just going to say, we've had so many nice remarks Just about Jodie. Jody, yeah. <laughs> Everybody loves Jodie. Everybody does love Jodie. But yeah, this new format, we just changed it all up a bit, really, because yeah. I, I thought like people were fed up with just hearing this voice all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got this new chat show style format, and I'm really proud of it. Um, but yeah, so what? how's the book doing? How's um, Gone Dark Over Bill's Mother's It's do? all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose I could do a lot more promotion than I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've just done, I did Radio 4 the other week. I was on Open Book uh, talking about working class fiction with Mariella. Um, I was up in Manchester yesterday. I'm in Newcastle next week. I'm at Hay. Latitude Festival. Wow. So, yeah, it's, yeah, That's it's really going cool. all right. It, you know, it's just nice to get it in people's hands because not a lot of people will pick up a book of short stories. Yeah. That's and where can thing. people get it? You can get it at Penguin Books. Uh, you can get it at Waterstones. Kindle. All good bookshops, I yes. Like I, yeah. I like a proper book, that's the thing. I, I'm I a do, fan but of I was, having a physical yeah, book. I, I'm, and yeah, yeah, the I, idea I, of that swiping is... Yeah. Yeah. I think I look at a computer screen so much for work that when yeah, it's yeah. when I'm relaxing or something like I would have preferred the book. I would have yeah. preferred the book, but I was kind of like work. I was speed. like, mm-hmm. speed, oh, yes. you Lisa's coming on the show. I'd you one, yeah. I'd be knocking on your door later. Can you sign it too, please? I actually bought one, I'm sorry. Sorry, I didn't no, think, no, no, I fine. thought you had a copy. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Sorry. <laughs> so, so I'm a tablet, I'll just keep it on <laughs> screenshot. <Yeah. laughs> no, it's fine, I mean, like, this is great. You'll and have to come back, that's a good excuse that you have to come back and speak to <laughs> well, us we, again. We just found out that our kids are going to the same school soon, yes. so I'll yeah. definitely see you again, I'll be like, school I've got right. my copy. <laughs> we'll see in the schoolyard, yeah. 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 <laughs> we will, I'll be like, oh, all right, how's the book going? Great, yeah. how's, the, how's the podcast going? I know. So what's next for you? obviously after this what's uh, uh, the plan right well I'm writing I'm just finishing the second draft of a new novel um, which is called Pondweed okay. uh, so and this is it's another journey novel actually mm. so you know fascinated by cars but I've changed my car for a caravan Oh, so, well, I, well, I did a lot of commuting from Shrewsbury to Bangor so how'd you University. Bangor? Yeah, it's not yeah. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time on the A55 following caravans. 
I want me a bit of that. <laughs> so, and, and I, and people, and, and not just people with posh caravans, but people that have like pimped old caravans. Yeah. I um, like the older style ones. Yeah. Well. Like your, your VW campers yeah. yes. and the, the really old yes. fashioned ones. Yeah, absolutely. And then I saw this one, this one day that, that appeared to be an old exhibition caravan for an aquatics company. <laughs> And I just thought, that's amazing. I've got to write. How, how can I do that into a story? So, yeah, that's <laughs> for your pond life and beyond. Oh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. No, yes, I love stories yeah. like that, though. Like, Barmouth is spectacular. I definitely Thank encourage you. anybody to read it. Thank pick you. up, pick up. Um, it's It's gone dark over Bill's mother's. I always have to look at that in case I get the words the wrong I'm, way round. And. It's, yeah, it's a stoke saying for it looks like rain or things are a bit bleak. Isn't is the bill yeah. supposed to be William Shakespeare? People say oh, is, it, this is this so, true? I, I have no idea. There's so many different it's origins your book. for it. I know, no. <laughs> it's just a thing that people used to say in Stoke, and then I always remember when I came to Shrewsbury, and I think I said it in in the schoolyard, and uh, you know, always gone dark over Bill's mothers, and somebody said to me, "Oh, do they live in Wenlock?" <laughs> I always remember that. And uh, but the publishers were were a bit funny about it at first because they were like, "It's very long and." You know, there's three apostrophes. In <laughs> <laughs> roll like, off the tongue. I said, no, this this absolutely sums up the collection, and and it says made in Stoke on Trent as well a little bit for me. So mm, yeah. yeah, and and it gets people talking. You know, people kind of talk about the title and where's that from? And yeah, it is intriguing. It. Yeah. it is intriguing. It did intrigue me because. I was like, where's Bill? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait for Bill, Bill to pop up. <laughs> yeah, and also there's not a story in there called that, no. which is, a, you know, I'm, a lot I'm, of times in, in short story collections, the title is often the title of a major story in there, but it does feature as a line. So yeah. it's always in the context, if you like. It kind of bubbles away. Was that in Dirty Laundry? Which one was it? Yeah, it's in Dirty Laundry yeah. and it's in Potluck. Yeah, there's all that well. scene in Family Guy. Yeah. You know when they mentioned the the name of the film in yeah. the film? <laughs> yeah. I read it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. Bill's mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I hope you this book is it carries on with its success, Thank you. and, and also your, your future books. And you know, it's it's always great getting um, uh, people on on that, that create and that live in this area. You know, because I think it's very inspiring, especially like this. It's amazing authors, kids going to the same school, and my kids, you know, so it's like... Because the creativity's going to rub off. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I feel like. That's what, that's what I feel yeah. like. <laughs> um, yeah. So what are you, are you going, have you got plans for the holidays or anything like that? Are you going away anywhere? Uh, no, because it's it, doing a lot of festivals, really. really? Which is lovely. Um, yeah, because I'm reading at some of them. Um, so that's quite nice. I imagine that's I mean, really good. You're a real storyteller. Which is nice. Sometimes you meet authors, but they're probably so locked, you know, yeah. don't to be judgmental, but they lock themselves off that they yes. don't talk to people. Yeah. You're, you're clearly a, a good storyteller. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just the clammy hands and the dry mouth before you go on stage. But no, yeah, so we'll be doing a lot of that. I've always been, t- I've always taken my little girl as well. You know, I mean, she's been going to festivals since she was 10 weeks old. Oh, um, nice. But uh, yeah, so she, she's now a festival dame. <laughs> Yeah. There's nothing better than you know festivals and literature. You <laughs> yeah, know that's, yeah. that's that's an amazing thing to have. It is. It's wonderful, particularly when it rains. That's when the tent gets really full. What <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Oh look, quick! It's raining. It's brilliant for literature. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for uh, having me. Honestly, no, it's, it's, been, it's been brilliant. Been, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to follow up with a, a few little mentions that we've got that we've got, I've got to talk about locally and then I'm going to ask you a question at the end. Um, so I've spoke to um, Adam and Rob. Adam George came on the show. He's going to do our photographs.
props for the uh, for our that podcast. You know, um, Adam used to do um, the art of light. They used to do these amazing pictures of light. They used to do like long exposure pictures, and they'd like they can. Those like, are amazing. Yeah, they're brilliant. Uh, they've got a new Instagram. They're kind of moved on from that now, and it's called. He's asked me to give him a shout out because he's doing our photograph. I was like, "Yeah, we'll do this for you. You do that for us." And it's Shropshire Light Explorers. There's an Instagram there now. You can follow that, and it's on Facebook too. Um, so it's Shropshire Light Explorers, and it's very much the same thing. The, the light painting pictures. Some of these pictures that he does are amazing. I'll mm. try and find some for mm. you. Um, uh, so yeah, give them a follow, um, and also. Um, Prison Break is coming up okay. soon at the Dana, and I am an actor at the Dana, so I'll be taking part in that. <laughs> <laughs> the role I've got. Come on, is this like drum roll? I think so. Right, okay, so I've got a story to say, right? <laughs> Gary, who writes for the prison, sent me my profile, uh, character profile, whilst I was in Morocco. I couldn't open it because the signal was bad. And I forgot about it, right? So I did my four. I did a forfeit at the weekend where I yeah. put loads of makeup on. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram. No, uh, no. Yeah, I had to. I had to dress been dragged to do a, a, an episode of, a of another podcast. another podcast. Okay. Yeah, okay. and after the day after that, I opened up my character profile. It turns out I'm playing a drag queen okay. <laughs> in the prison. Do you need my services? Again? Yeah. <laughs> the girls there, they're like, "Oh, we're gonna." Do, well, the, yeah, they, they have got plans for me, so I've got to watch. I've been told to watch RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul's drag yeah, race. <laughs> I was like, "Why?" <laughs> You've done this to me. So yeah, that's the first one of that is going to be taking place on the 18th of May. So if you are interested in uh, Prison Break, uh, make sure you check out Immersive Events um, because it's pretty cool. It's a three hour long session. You get the whole prison to try and escape from. Oh, what, you actually have to go in there and they yeah. lock you in? And yeah, you get, you get processed, you get given your jumpsuits, you get given a cell, you've got to break out of your cell. Do you have to get to a certain place in town or something? Is, uh, you is used to, yeah, yeah, you used to, but I think... Start seeing loads of people running down my road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can come to yours. There you go, we'll never find us. <laughs> There's a story. <laughs> find them, like, in some cave in, bloody, in the Brecon Beacons or something. They didn't get me. Yeah. <laughs> what did I win? <laughs> I think this time they've centered it more about getting outside those gates, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's got, I can't say too much. We're going to get, I'm going to get um, Gary on and a couple of the actors. We're going to do like a good show about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you got to break out your cell, then you got to break out the prison. And uh, it's completely immersive, you know, and I'm going to wow. be one of the prisoners. Last time they got me playing an Irish chef. Because somebody I, did break out of the prison when it was an actual prison, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. I forgot his name. He now. does a tour mm. there sometimes. Yeah. I, I can't. They charge just there thinking, what's his name? He's got a book out, I think. He's got a book out about it. Oh, has he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I know he's done like talks around of like how he escaped from the prison and things I like think that. He, like, I think he's escaped for like three hours or something like that. They were, like, Still, <laughs> I imagine it's. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, prison break. That's going to be really good. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the oh, show. Oh, no, thank you. Thank I'm, you very much. Thank I'm going to finish you. it off with one last question, and that is, <laughs> and I would ask everybody, uh, what does Shrewsbury mean to you? <laughs> Some people are like, ah, oh, as if you just asked me that. What does Shrewsbury mean to you? Oh, my word. Um, at the moment, it's home. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah I get that. That's quite what I've said to you, wasn't it? Mm. I'm just like, it's, it's just home. home. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? If somebody asked me that, the shoes would mean to me, I'd be like, home. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. Yes. It yeah. does just have that nice feel. Like I've lived in other places, I work all over the place, and then you come back and it just feels like home. Mm. The, it's just that one word, isn't it, that describes that it's warm, it's yeah. friendly, it's yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and and. 
there's there's places in Shrewsbury that I think I've always got quite a sentimental, you know, yeah, like I'd the boathouse. Yeah, I had most of my Radio Shropshire wages when I, <laughs> 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 but I also got married there, you know. So uh, well, you know, there's cool. lots in the, yeah, we had a bit of a knees up in there. So lots of different places as well mean a lot to me. Yeah, I got a lot to thank Radio Shropshire for. They let me mm. sit and watch them produce a show one yeah. morning, and they were really good. And the lad that was um, producing was like, "Oh, so what's your?" Podcast's name then, you know, he's got a new <laughs> podcaster. We're doing all right Bless now, buddy. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming on our thank show. It's been no, really seriously. great to have thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And guys, make sure you give this episode a like and a share and subscribe. Have you got anything to add, Jody? I haven't. Just thanks everyone no. for listening and all the messages and support. Yeah, great. Thank you very much, guys, and peace out. Bye. Bye.